Well, we are continuing uh, a study that we began last week uh, on the Hallel. Hallel. Hallel uh, is a series of Psalms, Psalms 113 through Psalm 118. 113 through Psalm 118. Uh, and uh, they are, it's called the Egyptian Hallel, uh, really because Psalm 114 is very much about uh, the, the Exodus itself. Uh, these Psalms, 113, 14, 15, 16, 17, and 18, these six Psalms are read at Passover, uh, they're read at Sukkot, and at other, uh, other holiday uh, times of year. Uh, and they're well known you know, for that uh, purpose. Uh, and they remind us of you know, uh, uh, of the exodus coming out of Egypt and of giving thanks to God for all kinds of things. And that is primarily, you know, why we read them, because uh, on these holidays, these are times of thanksgiving. Uh, and these specific psalms uh, give us motivation and uh, reminder of being thankful uh, uh, to God. So last week, in Psalm one. 13, you know, and Psalm 114, really the theme of those first two is the fact that God uh, oversees the whole world, but he cares about every single person, you know, and uh, a, a great uh, little uh, verse here is, uh, is in uh, ver verses five and six of 113, when it says, who is like the Lord our God who was enthroned on high? who humbles himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in the earth. And then it says, he raises the poor from the dust, lifts the needy from the ash heap. And you read that in a variety of places in the Bible. Uh, this is quoted uh, in Hannah's, Hannah's prayer, uh, and a variety of Psalms and other places as well. The point is, is that we praise God because he is king over all the earth. As we always say, you know, Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the whole world. We say universe, right, in our modern way. King of the universe, but he cares about all of us. And we talked last week about how he cared about the, the Jewish people who had been enslaved. Uh, and then in 114, uh, we have Israel, the, the testimony of Israel leaving Egypt and how God supernaturally brought the people out, uh, and uh, how wonderful uh, how wonderful that is, and how we need to give thanks to God. So certainly we can understand why uh, these are prevalent at Passover, right? We're reminded to give thanks to God. We even read these in the Haggadah. This is actually in the the Haggadah, uh, and uh, it also you know we would say them in services. So what, what I decided to do was cut it up into three parts. So last week, we looked at Psalm 113 and 114. Now today, Psalm 115 and 116. And then next week, uh, Psalm 117 and 118, right? Uh, and so it's just a little overview uh, of them. Uh, now, Psalm 115 and 116 uh, really are very interesting. We could say that if Psalm 113 and Psalm 114 remind us of coming out of Egypt, Psalm 115 and 116 reminds us of life in the wilderness or life in this, you know, life in this uh, uh, world and 
what we call the prolepsis, this in-between period of uh, this in-between period of time. Uh, if we look at Psalm 113 and Psalm 114 and personalize it uh, and think of it as giving thanks for my own redemption from bondage, you know, Messiah is our Passover sacrificed for us. If we look at Psalm 113 and 114 as that, then 115 and 116 is about giving thanks in the midst of this crazy world. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and so that's, uh, you know, uh, kind of helpful. Now, you know, the Psalms, uh, individual Psalms, have varieties of purposes. Some of them, like the laments, are meant to just connect us emotionally. You know, just connect us emotionally uh, with God. Uh, some other Psalms were more like liturgical Psalms, Psalms that were songs, and that certainly do connect us uh, with God as we sing, but were meant to like teach us something or, you know, to inculcate uh, something uh, to us. Uh, some Psalms are admonitions to do something, you know. Uh, other ones are testimonies, testimonies of deliverance, so that we might be, uh, you know, and encouraged. And so, very interesting, uh, Psalm 115 is an admonition to trust God. It's an admonition to trust God and reasons for trusting God. And Psalm 116 is a testimony, a testimony of an individual who has suffered greatly and emotionally and who is delivered. So it's kind of interesting how they're right in the middle of this uh, Hallel, uh, right in the middle, Psalm 115 and 116, which talks about life in this world. And we all need an admonition to trust God because, you know, we're, we're challenged with so many things in this world. And boy, that is, you know, obviously uh, true uh, today, right? Uh, and so uh, we need an admonition to stick with the program and, and trust God. And, and, uh, and then Psalm 116, this very interesting testimony of, of, uh, of deliverance. And we read them at Passover because this is a time of year when we remember all those things, when we remember all those things. Okay, so Psalm 115, uh, we read here, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory because of your loving kindness, because of your truth. Why should the nations say, where now is their God? But our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of man's hands. They have mouths, but they cannot speak. They have eyes, but they cannot see. They have ears, but they cannot hear. They have noses, but they cannot smell. They have hands, but they cannot feel. They have feet, but they cannot walk. They cannot make a sound with their throat. Those who make them will become like them. Everyone who trusts in them. Oh, Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help. He is their shield. Oh, house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help. He is their shield. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. The Lord has been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of, of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will, bless the, he will bless those who fear the Lord, the small together with the great. May the Lord give you increase, you and your children. May you be blessed of the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. The heavens are the heavens of the Lord, but the earth he has given to the sons of men. 
The dead do not praise the Lord, nor do any who go down into silence. But as for us, we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forever. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hence, Hallel Psalms. All right, so here we have this call to trust God. May your name be glorified. Very interesting. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory because of who you are. And of course, thy loving kindness and truth, doesn't that remind, of, of, remind us of Exodus chapter 34, where God reveals uh, his nature, his character uh, to Moses. Because of God's chesed, uh, and because, because God never gives up on us, truthfulness, uh, true blue, so to speak. Uh, God is, uh, uh, shows us loyal love, and uh, he is indeed true. And so the psalmist, you know, is, uh, is first uh, saying, may God be glorified. He is alive. He is active. He is in his dwelling place, and he does whatever he wants to do. He is the sovereign. So why should the nations say, where is your, uh, where is your God? And, you know, that certainly is a... Um, uh, a, a great uh, admonition, you know, uh, for all of us. Because sometimes, you know, w- what is going on here? Well, uh, evidently, uh, the uh, people uh, are saying to them, well, where is your God? I don't see anything happening. Something bad is taking place, but we don't see uh, an answer to it. Uh, and so, therefore, people are saying, where is your God? Now, this could have been historically it could have been after the uh, captivity, after the Babylonian captivity. You know, if you've ever read Ezra uh, and Nehemiah, you know that when the Jewish people came back uh, to uh, Judah, uh, that it was in shambles, uh, and the people were actually discouraged. Right? If you read the prophet Haggai, the people were discouraged, as well as in Ezra and Nehemiah, they were discouraged from rebuilding uh, the, the, the temple because there were enemies all around. And sometimes we can get discouraged. Our enemies are not always uh, people pointing fingers, but sometimes it's situations uh, as well as people pointing fingers. <laughs> uh, and uh, and, and we, people say, where is their God? Right? So he says, well, look, don't get discouraged. Don't be discouraged. God is in his dwelling place. When he says God is in the heavens, it doesn't mean like he's in another world. It doesn't mean that. It means he's in his habitation. Like, you know, he's at headquarters. <laughs> you know, sort so of that, that kind of thing. Uh, you, you know? Uh, and uh, uh, he does whatever he pleases. And now, mockingly, uh, regarding uh, people of the, of the pagan world worshiping inanimate objects, uh, you know, clearly it, this is mocking. Uh, the idols are a work of man's hands. They can't do anything. They can't do anything. God is alive and he is active, even if we don't see him. But these other gods, they don't do anything. Now, of course, you know, uh, none of us uh, in our world uh, are too tempted to worship stone and wood uh, as, as idols. 
Although we do worship stone and wood, depending on what our houses are made out of, uh, you, you know, I, you know, a God is really something that pulls our strings, that we're really trusting in for our well-being. And we trust in lots of things for our well-being besides uh, the God of Israel. And uh, this text here is saying, don't trust in, uh, uh, in imposters. Don't trust in what is not real. Don't trust in what is not true. Trust in God. Even though people are, are saying, well, where is your God? Or even though we might be thinking in the back of our minds, where is God? Right? Don't be tempted to go elsewhere to find satisfaction. And we can do that in a lot of places, right? In institutions and things and collecting things and even in our own families. Uh, we, we can uh, uh, sometimes have, have them as the, the, main, the, the main event. And remember, you know, we are created in the image and likeness of God. Our main identity is being image bearers of God. And, and that we, be, we are, as image bearers of God, we're husbands, wives, children, employers, fathers, mothers. But primarily we're an image bearer of a God. And so he's saying, don't put all your eggs in the basket where you're going to get more instant gratification. Don't put your eggs in the basket where, uh, you know, you don't see God doing something, so why bother? You know, I'm just going to get involved. I'm going to do this. I'm going to pour myself into this or, or that or the other thing. Because interestingly enough, it says in verse 8, those who make them will become like them. Everyone who trusts in them. We become like them. And so the question for us might be uh, today as we come to Passover, this admonition to trust in God. What, when people see me, how do they identify me? You know, you become like what you worship. Do, when, so do people, when people see me, do I have a reputation of knowing the Lord? Is that my reputation? You know, now, not just your reputation on Shabbat morning at Beth Messiah. Because we're full of praise the Lord's uh, here. You, you, you know what I mean? Uh, but, but elsewhere, at the office or at the club or your neighborhood or wherever, how do people know you? And of course, we could even, you know, today say in your, in your social media uh, representation. Uh, you know, I have come, I would say, one th what have you learned this past year, Howard? Well, thank you for asking that insightful question first. Uh, I would say one of the things that I have learned is that what pe people on social media can have, like, that's, they have one uh, identity. There's an identity there that's different from their in-person identity. I've come to recognize that. I did not really get that before, but now I see it. And, uh, uh, and so we re really have to ask ourselves, who, what am I known for? Those who make them will become like them, right? And, and so it's an admonition here to trust God. And it's interesting, now in verse 9, it says, O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. 
I find it interesting that it says, you know, it's in the third person in the refrain. He is their help and their shield. He is their help and their shield. He is their help and their shield. Meaning, uh, perhaps, uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, that it's not, people are not saying, where is, where is your God? But rather, oh, he is their help and he is their shield. Uh, you know, th that uh, admonition to trust in God, because at the end of the day, trusting in God uh, becomes who we are and our, our uh, testimony. And also, when you go back to the first verse, when it says, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory. But to your name give glory. Very important for us to understand that the goal here. The goal of trusting God is the vindication of God's name, not just saving our skin, so to speak, or God just help me so that my life is better. But may your name be vindicated. Uh, and uh, how important it is, you know, to pray that way. Lord, you know, I don't see you. I don't know what's going on, but may your name be vindicated. Do what you will to glorify your name through me. That seems to be uh, what this admonition is about. And then notice you have here, uh, O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You who fear the Lord, trust the Lord. He is your help. He is their help and their shield. So you have Israel, Aaron, and anybody who fears the Lord. Isn't that great? So uh, you have the priesthood, you have all of Israel, and anyone who comes under the, the lordship of the, the God of Israel, under the kingship of the God of Israel, all, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, he is their help and their shield. He is the one who empowers, he is the one who defends, he is uh, the one who, uh, who delivers. And then he says, the Lord has been mindful of us. He will bless us. And then he talks about Israel, Aaron, those who fear the Lord. Uh, and uh, the last part of this, uh, you know, it's regardless of, regardless of who you are. Uh, first of all, regardless of who you are, God is your help. He is your help in times of trouble. He is your shield. He's the one who shields you in the midst of the arrows flying. In the midst of the arrows, uh, in the midst of the arrows flying, uh, and uh, and it says the small together with the great. It doesn't matter who you are, regardless of who you are. If you embrace uh, the God of Israel. And this side of the uh, coming of Yeshua, we would say, when you embrace the Messiah of Israel, God is your help. He is, uh, he is your shield. So don't be depressed. Don't get down. When the arrows are flying, God will be your shield. Uh, and then he says, the heavens are the heavens of the Lord, in verse 16, but the earth he has given to the sons of men. Very interesting. In other words, uh, God has delegated responsibility uh, to this uh, of this world to to us, right? 
Uh, that goes all the way back uh, to the Garden of Eden. The earth has he has given to the sons of men. And what we are to do here is to live our lives as a testimony, uh, as a praise uh, to God, regardless of uh, what people say, regardless of what people do, uh, regardless of, of any of it. And then he says, The dead do not praise the Lord, nor do those who go down in silence. But as for us, we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forever. In other words, as long as I have breath in me, I, I will praise the Lord. That uh, as long as we're alive, we are called to give thanks to God. We are called to live a life of, of praise. And we are to remember that because why? We have been delivered out of Egypt. Why? Because God who dwells uh, in the heavens... Uh, is uh, humble and looks down upon us and shows, uh, and shows great care for us as we read in Psalm 113 and Psalm 114. As a result of that, during our time in this wilderness, regardless of whatever comes against us, regardless of what people say or situations that come against us, let us remember that he is our help and he is our shield. And so uh, the admonition here is to always trust in God and not in ourselves or, or others. You know, when we talk about idolatry, perhaps the greatest idol of all is ourselves. <laughs> you know, not a, an, another institution or something else, but ourselves. You know, uh, trust, trust, trust. Oftentimes when we say that, what we're really saying is, well, I'm trusting in myself. Uh, you, you know, I, uh, I'm going to get it done because I know what to do. Come on, God, you catch up, right? You're a little behind here, you know, stick with me, Lord, you know, and, uh, you know, and, and we'll get this thing done. Uh, and uh, we know that usually, uh, you know, that doesn't work, right? Uh, and that the admonition here is to trust, to trust God. Now, in Psalm 116, uh, you have a testimony of deliverance. So as much as uh, Psalm 115 is an admonition to trust God and not any kind of idolatry that we create in our own mind or something visible or, or invisible, and to know that he is your help, he empowers you, and he is your shield no matter who you are, right? That Psalm 116 is a testimony of deliverance. I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my prayers, my supplications, my askings, <laughs> okay? Because he has inclined his ear to me, therefore I shall call upon him as long as I live. I know that he's listening. I know he hears me when I pray, so I'm going to call upon him as long as I live. And here's the reason why. The cords of death encompassed me, and the terrors of Sheol came upon me. I found distress and sorrow. Then I called upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beg you, save my life. Now, this is very, verse 3, we don't have time to take this whole thing apart, but it is a very uh, emotional, emotional moment. He is afraid of dying. He's afraid of dying. And, you know, uh, now 
you know, if I, uh, if I, uh, like others in our midst, had every graphic uh, that there could possibly be uh, available, uh, the graphic of this verse would be a person with ropes, like tangled up, tangled up in ropes, and being pulled down with this look of horrific fear on the, uh, on, on the face but being caught up in ropes and not and like fighting against it, but being t taken down, taken down. And he is, we'll just say, deathly afraid of dying. Why is he afraid of dying? He's afraid of dying because it is the terrors of Sheol are coming upon him. The terrors of Sheol. The word terrors here is kind of interesting. It actually means like a narrow place, like like being boxed in and being taken in by, by, the, by the pit. Now, we're going to talk about what Sheol is in this, uh, in this context. And it isn't just a pit like a hole in the ground. It is the netherworld. It is the abyss. It is the world, the godless world, under the, un, uh, below, down below, similar to the great fear that people had about what's under the water, you know, in the ancient world. The same thing was about what's underground. This the godless, the godless world, like the opposite of the heavens. The opposite of the heavens is Sheol. Heavens is where God is. We dwell with God. We live with God. We look forward to that. Sheol was, you know, murky waters down below, and he was deathly afraid, and he felt that he's being dragged down into it, and so he's distressed. He's dismayed. He is afraid. And then he called upon the name of the Lord. And uh, I beseech me. And this is interesting also. The word save here is different from the usual word for save. It's kind of like, get me out of this. <laughs> okay. Uh, save my life. Save my life. In other words, don't let me go down there. Don't let that happen to me. And that we don't know what, what was going on exactly, but it is this horrific fear of dying is, is what this testimony, you know, is about. And oftentimes a horrific fear of dying is when we don't know what's on the other side. You, you know, we're not quite sure what's, what's uh, going on there. Or it could be uh, afraid of dying because something really bad is going on. Uh, you know, but just afraid of, afraid of dying. Then he says, gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yes, our God is compassionate. The Lord preserves the simple. And thank God for that, right? The Lord preserves the simple. I was brought low and he saved me. And that's the normal word for saved. He delivered me, okay? Uh, now, uh, when he says, you know, gracious and righteous, God is compassionate, these words mean that God reaches down to us, just like it says in Psalm 113, when we read um, uh, here that um, he raises the poor from the dust and the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes of his people, uh, you know, and, and so on, that uh, God reached down and, and delivered him uh, from this fear. He delivered him from this fear and from uh, this, uh, this death. God does 
the right thing. God is, you know, uh, gracious, meaning he gives us favor we don't deserve and compassionate. He feels for us. It's not just a functional thing. He feels uh, uh, for us, right? And then it says, return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have rescued my soul from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from stumbling. I have been indeed uh, delivered. Then he says, I shall walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Uh, I believed when I said I am greatly afflicted. I said in my alarm, all men are liars. What he's saying here is that now that he has been delivered, he knows, he knows in whom he believes. And he says, I walk before the Lord. First of all, walking before the Lord is the way you live, right? Just like you read in the Brit Hadashah. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling, right? Uh, uh, walk in the ways of, uh, of God. The land of the living is kind of an interesting uh, 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 phrase. The land of the living uh, could simply be in this context. He's not uh, going into the netherworld. He doesn't have to be afraid. He is alive and walking with God in, uh, you know, uh, on his two feet and he's alive. Perhaps it's relating to Eretz Yisrael, the land of the living, you know. Uh, but in Jewish uh, theology, and uh, as a history unfolded, this came to be equated with the Olam Haba, with the world to come. In other words, the opposite of the netherworld, that when I die, uh, you know, I will walk with God now and forever, now in this life and in the world to come. And I don't have to be afraid because he indeed has delivered me. Doesn't that remind us of our experience in embracing uh, Yeshua? And then when he says, I, I believed when I said I'm greatly afflicted. In other words, I believed in the, when I said I'm greatly afflicted, I'm, Lord, I, I, I'm trusting in you. I didn't understand how, but, but you delivered me. And, and, and all men are liars not meaning that like uh, I hate all people because you know but but I can't trust in anybody but you I I believe Lord and I uh, you are the one I trust and not what people tell me but I trust indeed uh, I trust indeed uh, in you uh, there is a lot more we could say uh, uh, you know about those verses but but moving on he says now now what do I do with this you know I, I, what, what do I do with this? What shall I render to the Lord for all of his benefits toward me? What do I do? He says now in verse 13, I shall lift up a cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I, I will praise you. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of like at the Seder. I will lift up the, uh, the cup of uh, redemption, uh, the cup of deliverance, all four cups at the Seder, and I will give thanks to you, O Lord, because you are the Passover lamb. You have indeed uh, delivered me. Uh, or you are my rescue. You are the one who takes care of me. You know, let me just say this very, very quickly. You know, in a place like um, Psalm 34, Psalm 34, you read there in verse 8, very famous. 
Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. See, we may be sitting here saying, you know, that's all well and good to hear this testimony, but my life's a mess and I'm uh, going down on the quicksand uh, and it's great to hear this testimony and, 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 you know, and, and all of that. Now, when David penned these words, you know, Psalm 34 begins with, a psalm of David when he feigned madness before Avimelech, who drove him away and he departed. This is when Saul was chasing David and David thought he was going to die. And he was desperate. While he was desperate, and while he thought he was going to die, he said, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man or woman who takes refuge in him. In other words, it's not... Uh, it's so much the issue of now everything's okay, but I don't have to be afraid anymore because I'm hiding in him. Just like as it said in Psalm 115, he's our help and our shield. You need a shield when the arrows are flying. It doesn't say, I stop the arrows. It says, I'm your shield for the arrows. When we say God is our refuge, we need a refuge when things are not good. And so we can hide in him when the things are not good. And the real testimony of Psalm 116 is, I didn't have to be afraid anymore. Not because now I'm on easy street. But now I know, like Job would say, now I know, you know who my deliverer is. And he's delivered me from fear, as the Psalms often teach, about going down into the abyss. Now, look what he says. So he says, yes, I will lift up a cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord. Oh, may it be in the presence of all his people. May I fulfill, you know, my, uh, my walk with God. May I do the right thing, however we want to apply that today. You know, may I walk with the Lord, you know, in, in, in a right way. And then we have the verse. Why do I call it the verse? Because it's the verse everybody knows from this psalm, if you've ever been to a funeral, right? Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his godly ones. What on earth really does that mean? When it says precious in the sight of the Lord, it doesn't mean that God loves it when godly people die. That's not, actually, that's not what he's saying here. It's very significant in the sight of the Lord. God is aware. Uh, it is, uh, uh, God uh, takes note uh, of, the sight, uh, uh, of, of the death of his godly ones. What it means is, when he says precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his godly ones, he does not have to fear dying. God is right there with him when he dies. God is right there with him when he dies. God's going to be right there with him after he dies. Because, may I suggest, he has the assurance that he's going to be walking in the land of the living. Not in Sheol but in the land of the living. And so he's free. Doesn't it remind you of the verse in Isaiah that Paul quotes? The sting of death is removed when we know the Lord. 
Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his godly ones. That's what he's giving thanks for. That's what he's so excited about that he does not have to fear dying anymore. Oh Lord, surely I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your handmaid. You have loosened my bonds. I am free. I'm free from this bondage of fear of death and dying and, uh, and, uh, you know, and what's going to happen to me. And, and so even though I might be hounded, even though I might be chased, you are my refuge. You are my shield. You are my help. I can navigate through anything, you know, uh, because what did Yeshua say, say in John 16, verse 33? In this life, you will have tribulation, but I have overcome the world. Stick with me. Stay above the fray, no matter how murky it gets. You see, this is the glory of Psalm 115 and 116. Uh, to you I shall offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving and call upon the name of the Lord. And then he repeats, I shall pay my vows to the Lord. Oh, may it be in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of you, Yerushalayim. Praise the Lord. I am safe when I am among your people, when I am worshiping you. I am safe. Uh, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Not darkness, nor principalities, nor any created thing. No, God is indeed the one who helps us. He is the one who is our shield. He rescues us. And so importantly, he takes away the great fears that we may have, the great fears of the unknown. Because in Yeshua, we have an assurance of dwelling with him forever. We have life forever. In the Brit Hadashah, it's called eternal life. We have an assurance that we are not going to go into any place that is murky and separate from God, but we will walk with him forever. That means in Psalm 115 and Psalm 116, whether it's an admonition to trust in God or a testimony of faithfulness, what the psalmist is doing, he's taking the long view of life. That I'm, I may be going through something right now, but it's not the end. It's not the end. The long view is I have, I'm going to be in the world to come. In the end, it's all good. I can get through whatever's going on here because, because in Yeshua, we're living in the presence of the future. We're tasting this now. And so at Passover, we can say these psalms with gusto, sing them with gusto, because in the Messiah, we indeed have new life and assurance because of his death and resurrection, we have life forevermore. So we can remember at Passover the past, right? He redeemed us out of Egypt, uh, or, you know, uh, he redeemed me from the bondage of, of sin and, and fear, and now I live in him and whatever come, whatever left turns or right turns or left hooks or right jabs come my way, I do not have to fear. I do not have to fear. He preserves me. He rescues me. 
He is indeed my shield. That's why I have to keep my eyes fixed on him, fixed on Yeshua, always. And that is why the great, the great picture of, you know, walking on the water, you know, that uh, when, when Peter took his eyes off of Yeshua, he began to sink, going down into the, uh, under the water, the bad place under the water. But as he kept his eyes on Yeshua, above the water, right? And so we need to keep our eyes fixed on Yeshua, and we will get through whatever it is. And we can be filled with the Ruach and have that peace and long-suffering and be able to be patient and kindness and have self-control and all of it, see? And so there's the present. But then finally, there's the future. The future, what we have to look forward to. And may I suggest that in Psalm 117 and Psalm 118, uh, we have a, a good, clear view of, indeed, the future. So let us next week celebrate uh, uh, Passover. And maybe this week read Psalms 113 through Psalm 118. Read them uh, and, and uh, sort of, uh, you know, um, mull on them, meditate, meditate on them as you prepare for your Seder. And so uh, may Passover truly uh, be a wonderful time of Thanksgiving. Let's pray. Lord uh, God, uh, thank you, God, that one of the things that when we trust in you, Lord, and when we really do embrace you, you do, you do deliver us from fear. The fear of, of death, the fear of the unknown. And even in this life, the fear of the unknown of what is going to happen in this life. Because when we are in you, you are our refuge. You are our fortress. You get us through it. Even if we don't get the answer to the prayer we want, you get us through it. And we thank you, Lord, for that. And may we really experience that. And may that be what people see. And I pray, Lord, that when people look at our lives, they would not say, so where's your God now? But they might see, regardless of your life circumstances, of our life circumstances, that they might see, wow, he is their help and he is their shield. And he has delivered them from fear. I want some of that. And Lord, may it all glorify, indeed, your name. And uh, Lord, thank you that you have indeed given us a taste of the future. May we live in that presence uh, uh, today, Lord, and have victory just in our lives, getting through today, looking forward to tomorrow. We pray in Messiah's name. Amen.